Hello and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly manga podcast. My name is Jeremy. And I'm Kevin. Almost Kevin. If you've never listened to this podcast before, we're changing formats. Now we read 10 chapters from Weekly Shonen Jump, available at viz.com for free every week if you want to read along, plus a monthly title, also available for free there, and we talk about them. Yeah, well, for this week specifically, we're going to be highlighting one of the monthly titles as opposed to one of the weekly, so it will be nine weekly and two monthly. Uh, It'll actually only be eight weekly because One Piece was on hiatus this week. Correct. Then we'll rank all the weekly chapters that came out and talk a little bit about them. So if you wanted to hear us talk about Black Clover, we will for a minute, maybe, if we have anything to say. And then we talk about a Toku... Are they Tokuban? I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't know how to pronounce that either. Then we talk about a collected volume of manga. And we're doing Codename Sailor V this week because it's February, the month of Venus. That's how that works, right? Sure, go with that. Uh, so be excited, because I actually really, really like Codename Sailor V. But we will get to that later. For now, shall we jump into Shonen Jump? Let's do it. So first up, we're going to start with the spoiler corner, because we are now talking about My Hero Academia. So first up is My Hero Academia Chapter 214, Our Brawl. If you do not want spoilers for My Hero Academia, skip ahead. There should be a timestamp in the show notes. Yeah, I'll put a timestamp before and after, since this is... We'll have the timestamp of when we start talking about this, and then we'll have the one when we start talking about the chapter after this. Yeah, which is also a little spoilery, so maybe skip two this week. But anyway, what did you think about My Hero Academia this week, Kevin? We've never talked about it before. This feels weird. It's very good. Yes, I really like this one. I liked the fact that Vlad is kind of like, so you're letting them continue fighting? And Eraserhead is all, well, yeah, I mean, look at how rearing to go they are. I really like the explicit in-text note that Eraserhead is training Shiso. It's been heavily implied, and I had assumed it was the case, but I like confirming it because that's a really cool relationship between them. I thought they had I thought they had already confirmed it. They hadn't confirmed. They had hinted at it so heavily that we okay. had to assume so. But that, that, I like that's that must it's... have been what happened because it was like he's using the same binding cloth. Yeah, and Eraserhead only is Eraserhead the, uses. And Eraserhead is the one that's like, yeah, he would be awesome. It's too bad robots are a terrible test. Yep. For him specifically, yeah. So yeah, and also we get class 2B asshole not being able to copy one for all. And I wonder what that means. Yeah, he said, dang, drew a blank. I don't know if that's a possibility of His one power. for all. Yeah. So if he can actually draw a blank. Well, but he wouldn't know that because he says it. I understand what you're saying, that he, like, got Midoriya or All Might's quirk. Yeah, so I, I don't know what happened with that one. So it must be part of his quirk that he has the potential to not copy a power. That, or I'm wondering if he can only, for some weird reason, copy quirks that people were born with. And yeah. so it wouldn't work on Midoriya. Because he doesn't have any, yeah. Yeah. And if it, like, also wouldn't work on, uh, like, All for One. Yeah. If for that he reason. Yeah, if he couldn't copy quirks that have been stolen. Yeah. That could be something cool. But yeah, we get a really good float sound effect, which I'm always a fan of in My Hero Academia. Yes. As lazy as it is, I love it, especially like the big bubbly text. Yep. And it was a real good chapter. A real good issue of Shonen Jump this week, I actually have to say. Yeah, there was a lot of good stuff in here. Very little I like straight up didn't like. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to... So at the end of this chapter, we have Shinso and uh, Midoriya 
facing off with Midoriya utilizing his new quirk that he got in the last chapter. Yeah, like, if that's the spoiler, guys. <laughs> and that was rad. I kind of went back and reread the last couple chapters because I feel like the way that quirk is drawn, I had no idea what it was. It looked like just Dragon Ball Z energy to me. Yeah. And now that I know what it is, it really changes the way those older chapters read. Yeah, it does. That was the same thing I had when I remember talking about it for the podcast when it he first started having that quirk start manifesting. And I was like, wow, what does this mean? And I wanted to go back a couple of chapters to see what was going on, especially when they revealed that he was generating that other guy's quirk. I can't remember his name. I don't think we know his name. We might not. The One of the previous one for all users quirks. So he was he had that like black energy coming off of him. So it actually ended up being tendrils and not this weird, like you said, Dragon Ball energy thing of like one for all overloading or something like that. Yeah. And I'm really looking exciting to Binding Cloth versus this new quirk next week. Yep. Uh, so that brings us to the other spoilery chapter. If you're watching the new anime, the Promised Neverland chapter 120 Monsters Without Shape. Yep. I thought this was pretty cool. I thought this was a pretty interesting explanation of why the demons are eating humans. Yeah, it's a little generic isn't the right word. I've seen it before, though. But yeah. what really saved the chapter to me was how into his girls Norman gets and like Norman's whole angle on this. Even with yep. what little I know about the character, it really fits him. And it's really cool. Yeah, I really liked the whole... So initially, the kids had just been trying to escape this whole time, and now, because they've learned that the demons need to eat humans in order to maintain their intelligence, that's really the reason that they do it, is that they want to maintain their form and their intelligence. So Norman has determined that if he can shut down all the farms, all of the demons will revert to stupid beasts, and they can be defeated. Yeah, because the demons can like take traits from things they eat, and he says that there's like currently social issues among demons about how lower class demons only get lower class human meat. Yeah, and, and so they're kind of starting to degrade almost is what it sounds like. Yeah, and he's like, if they went six months without humans, they would completely lose their intellect. Yeah. So he wants to attack the farms because he sees that as the best way to make sure that no more children are eaten by demons. Yeah. Rather so than it, just escaping to like the human world. Yeah, so now he's trying to, and I'm definitely sure Emma's going to be on board. Right? I'm not, by the way, that she's looking at the end of this chapter. I'm really excited to see what her reaction is going to be next week. I feel like she's going to be on board. She might be a little bit annoyed at the method, but I feel like she's going to be on board with saving everybody. Yeah, I don't know. I'm really excited to see it. Yeah. It's a really good time for Promise Neverland. This might be the peak of the series. We'll have to see how long it goes, obviously. Yep. But I really like what's been going on in the last couple of chapters. Yeah, Promise Neverland has been really good. And I'm really liking the anime. Even the couple of little changes. Yeah, the changes that in made. that are really weird to me. They're not bad. No. I'm, there's a lot of stuff I'm like, oh, you're just going to skip that? Okay. It, it kind of makes sense. They're going for a pacing thing. Yeah, I get it. The one thing that really kind of bothered me is that they have Crone talking out loud, which is makes sense from an anime standpoint of it's kind of weird like to have that people thing with that little baby she has in yeah. the anime yeah that kind of threw me off too yeah she doesn't talk to herself because especially not when she's playing tag like that would be counterproductive to announce your presence to everyone that's running away from you so it's just one of those weird things of like the anime has her talking to herself but in the manga 
I'm pretty sure she thinks to herself. Like, they just make it all an internal monologue, not her talking to herself. But I guess that would just look weird if it was just, like, her just sitting there thinking. Yeah. Promise Neverland is a very thinky manga, so they might have trouble with that down the line, too. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, she does, even in the manga, she's a little kind of unhinged. So that came off perfectly in the anime, and I got it. I was just, like, slightly annoyed at... All right, so you're in, like, they mentioned the fact that she's in the room in between all three of the kids' rooms and is, like, almost screaming that she's going to take down Isabel and become the new mom. It's like, uh, like, there are little children around. They'll hear you. They're they're not, the walls aren't that thick. All right. So next up, because, like I said, it was all pretty much good stuff, but it really started, I feel like, with the best chapters this week. We have Chainsaw Man Chapter 7, Meowie's Whereabouts. So how did you feel about Chainsaw Man this week, Kevin? I really liked Chainsaw Man this week. So did I. I've been a little bit down on it lately, but this one did a lot for the things that I haven't liked. Yes. Revealing that Maui is actually real and that Power was just giving up Denji to Yeah, that was that was was incredible because it was like, oh, I thought it was... It was like a demon kidnapped my cat Meowie. It's like, oh, and she was just using... No, the demon literally kidnapped her cat Meowie and the thing that she was lying about was that Denji could take him down, which we're, I'm guessing is going to actually happen in the next chapter. But I really, honestly, my favorite panel in the entire comic was Denji screaming at the bat demon, give me back my boobs. Yeah, I was going to get to that. That was also probably my favorite part, just because it's perfectly on tone for him. And I've complained a little bit about how base he is, but in that moment, it really worked as a character bit after the bat demon has eaten power. Yes. I just wish we'd seen Maui last week and it wasn't like a reveal that, no, she was telling the truth because it doesn't feel like it's supposed to be. I feel like it'll read a lot better collected, although also this might be the first chapter of volume two. And uh, Possible. What is this? Chapter seven? Yeah. Most volumes that I've seen are seven chapters. Okay. I actually thought Sailor V was a little weird in being eight. I was like, wow, this seems a little long compared to... It is. That's because it's half the series. Oh, I gotcha. I thought it was three volumes. Nope. It's only two. I remember I was looking up something and I thought it said there were three. There might have been another edition with a third volume. Also, there are lots of weird side chapters to Sailor Moon of stuff that got done later. So it might be okay, one of that, those. that might have been one of those. I'm pretty sure it's only two. I only own two and I thought I owned the whole thing. I actually really like the fact that we only see Meowie now. So we get that really big turn of at first we think power is just, oh, he's just another stupid human and I'm going to sell him out because demons are cool kind of thing. And then it turned out that she was actually caring for her cat. And we had that little flashback of initially she was like, I'm going to eat this cat, but it's too thin right now. So I'm going to fatten it up. And then she ended up bonding with it. And I really like that. So I really like this chapter. It just made me like the last last chapter even less. I gotcha. Like I said last week, I like the fact that power turned on Denji there. It's very different from what most shonen would have done in that situation i guess that's true but that really just like soured the mood for me in a weird way like i said i think this will read much better collected probably i was just i was kind of getting the first time we meet nami in one piece vibe where she immediately sells out yeah but i feel like that's nami's character design gives her that feel in a way although also i watched the one piece anime before the manga and you see nami earlier and have yeah. a chance to establish her character, so that might also be why I didn't feel that way with her. Totally possible. 
so next, for a breath of fresh air, we have We Never Learn question 96. Genius is secretly X in response to his hurried, busied state. I thought this was a pretty good one, too. I actually did like this one as well. Mainly for the reveal at the end. Yeah, that gives it a lot of strength, but also the hijinks going up to it are pretty good. Like most We Never Learn chapters, I like the comedy bits that are going on. So it basically starts off with the girls showing that they're actually getting pretty decent test scores, like 80s, with their respective studies. They're like, yes, we've finally been improving. We can see marked. We're actually doing fairly well with these studies. And so they're all super excited, and they look over at... Yugiya? Yugiya. I keep, I wanted to say Yukiya, and I was like, that's not... Anyway, they look over at Yugiya, and he's like kind of distracted. He's like, oh, is that the time? Here's your new study things, and he like rushes off. And so all of them are really interested as to where he's going. Well, not Ogata so much, but Urika and Fumino are like, yeah, got to well, find out. We see the three of them kind of looking concerned. Like, Ogata seems concerned that he wasn't really paying attention. So I think in that first panel, it all three of them looked like, but it was like, oh... Ogata had to do had to do work after school, so she wasn't able to come. So then they dress up to chase Yugiya around to see. They're like, "Oh no, it, does he have a girlfriend?" Like that was their first thought. Was he doesn't have any time anymore because he's picked up a new girlfriend? Yeah, and we see them going undercover and dressing up. Yeah, and so they see him walk into a maid cafe, and they're like, "He's dating a maid! I can't believe this!" And so they rush in after him. And they find out that he's actually working part-time in the maid cafe. And they make him wear contacts instead of his glasses so he can't see anything. So their disguises pass. Yeah, well, it was... I think he said I put in the wrong contacts. No, he said they're not my prescription. Oh, yeah, that's right. So they end up being tricked into working at the maid cafe because there's supposed to be some temps coming. There's the typical confusion you'd expect. It's pretty funny. Yeah, I really liked the... So Fumino does a... Um, it's like super flirty, like, welcome home, master. Yeah, it's not welcome home. Isn't it? I thought. I, I'm pretty it, sure that's it might have been welcome home, master. Anyway, she that's does. That's how I always see it translated, yeah. I feel. Yeah. And then Uraka does. She's super shy. And so she, like, blushes and she's like, I'm too shy. I can't do this. And at first, they think, oh, no, our cover is going to get blown. And then all the customers, are like, oh, that was the perfect combo. You two, like, I can see why you guys are super veterans. And then Yugi has to rush off to another gig, and so they leave, and right when they leave, the two temps come in and like, hey, sorry, we're late. And you can see the owner being like, wait, what? Yeah. So then he goes to, like, a department store job, I yeah, guess. He's been there before. That's, I don't know that you've ever seen him no, I haven't. be there, but he's, he knows the, like, the manager of the store. She... It's like, it's kind of like Victoria's Secret, but not really, but it sells a lot of women's clothing. I gotcha. And he's he's gotten into some romantic comedy hijinks in there. I can imagine. Yeah. So he's still wearing the contacts because he hasn't had time to take them out and put in his glasses. And the two of them follow him into the department store and they're trying to figure out what he's doing. And it turns out he's moving the mannequins around. And Uraka has disguised herself as one of the mannequins when they see him coming. So he ends up picking her up and is walking around with her. And he's like, wow, I can't believe they've made mannequins so lifelike and real. They even smell good. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, that was pretty funny. And then after that, 
they, I think then they lose him, right? Or, yeah, and they end up going to Ogata's udon shop. Yeah, because they're hungry. And, and he's working there. Yep. I like the bit about Yugia calls Ogata's dad Pops. And he's and like, he's don't like, call me that. Don't call me that, call me boss. <laughs> and then Ogata's like, hey, you, boss, just make us a udon. He's like, no, you can call me Pops. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. She doesn't even get emotional interaction with her dad. Yep. And so Yugi is like, yeah, sorry to worry you. I just am trying to save up for something. Yep. And then some other customer who I get the feeling is a character weave. He's one of their classmates. He's one of Yugi's friends. Like he doesn't, he is one of Yugi's friends, but Yugi, I mean, clearly he talks to him about stuff. So yeah, we find that out, but not on screen. Not on screen, really. He's been on screen before, but he doesn't get much screen time because he's just one of the Yugi's friends. Gotcha. But anyway, he's like, hey, Yu-Gi-Oh, why did you give up the VIP recommendation? And all the girls are like, well, what? Yeah, and even before that, we saw the reason that Ogata didn't want to follow him around was because she knew Yu-Gi-Oh was working, yeah, working at least part-time, because she he was working at her shop. Yeah. And so they were like, oh, so that's why you didn't want to follow him around. And she, she's like, I know nothing about this. I am, I'm, I have been told to not tell you to. Yeah. So yeah, pretty good for We Never Learn, which is always already pretty good. Although it was a very good chapter of Shonen Jump, as we'll see yes. in the rankings. So the next one we're really going to talk about is, I think, one of the weaker series, which is Hellwarden Higma, Chapter 5, Life Force Part 3. What are your thoughts? Do you agree? Disagree? Yeah, this was one of the weaker ones. It's not that I didn't like Hellwarden this week. I actually did. But there wasn't a whole lot to it. Yeah, like I kind of predicted, the Raven's like, hey, I'm not a terrible guy. I just want to stay alive. That's why I want to go for old people. But like you said, Higuma gets super pissed off at that. Yeah, which that I understood. So, I mean, it's pretty much all a not holding pattern chapter, but a building tension pattern to what's going to happen, which is Higuma's going to cut off this dude's hands. He did. Well, did, was... did we see the hands? I saw the sword. I, I we saw the remember. hands. The last pen of the manga is the two hands flying in the air. Gotcha. I'm not sure what this Raven's hands powers are going to be. That shot, like he can shoot stuff, right? So well, I'm that's guessing, true. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I'm we guessing he's going to be able to like much. shoot the diamond bullets or whatever out of him. I guess that makes sense. So yeah, just not much. Not a lot of character stuff. I was, like I said, kind of hoping this Raven guy would stick around. And maybe he still will, but I kind of don't think so. I, yeah, I don't think chapter. so either. We might still get... A situation like that with the demon from hell, but not one of the escapees. That could be. I mean, we could definitely get with a different character. I was just thinking. Or maybe this guy will come. Maybe Enma will make a deal. Send him back. We'll send him back. Even more EA than I was initially thinking. Yeah. Something like that. Who knows? But yeah, we really, it was just the fight between Higuma and the Diamond Raven. And that was really the whole chapter. So like, I kind of enjoyed it, but. There wasn't anything with what's her bucket. Yeah, uh, I, I wrote her name down. I can flip through the book. Oh, it's next. Ayaha. Yeah, there wasn't anything with Ayaha. So she was like in two or three panels, but she didn't do anything. Like yeah. she didn't even say anything. It was it's big. Ba- it's basically all Higuma and his one subordinate knocking the floating cauldron head thing towards him after it reflected a bullet that the Diamond Raven shot. That took a little while to figure out what exactly was going on in that series of panels. Yeah, it, I had to read it two or three times as well. So yeah, I mean, Higuma is still fine, but way better when it focuses on Aiha, so I hope we get more of that. So next we have one I wanted to talk about. 
Neolation Process 6 Puppet. Yeah. I see you did not super like this one, Kevin. No. I actually didn't either, but I just thought it was the one I had the most to talk about. That's why I picked it. Oh, that's not totally fair. I liked it. Although, I started to like it, but then at the end, this like the last two pages, this series just doesn't know when to quit. Nope. It, it was like at a high note, actually. I'm like, oh, actually, this was a good conclusion. And then it just keeps going. Yep. So this is the conclusion of the Lemming arc. I am curious to see what the next arc is going to be. So at least it's got that for it. It was probably my favorite chapter of Neolation so far for what that's worth. Probably. It still had, like, because I keep getting annoyed with Neo's stupid, I have hacker powers and they're completely ill-defined. Yeah. That's what really bothers me. The fact that his powers don't have any limitations kind of annoys me. Me too. So they find the girl who's going to commit suicide, whose name I wrote down is Saki. Mm-hmm. And they stop her and they start showing her a video, specifically her friend does. And she's like, what? And the video is of the dude filming her about to jump. Yeah. And Neo coming over to be like, ah, confrontation time. Yep. So then Neo's like, hey, you're being manipulated by your AI to manipulate people. Well, and that's that, that was pretty cool. But first we get Lemming trying to convince neo to join, join forces me. yeah to and jo- we can rule the galaxy as student and teacher yeah and then that's when neo pulls the thing of like dude you're being controlled by monitor was that the name uh, of the program monica monica um no i'm sorry matoka matoka i read it down yeah i like that but uh, speaking of ill-defined i realized like he programmed matoka to just control people don't you have to program it to control them to do something specific yes and it's like, she's controlling you. That's what she was programmed to do. But to what end? I guess to finish her. But that's his goal anyway. So Neo's thing doesn't really uh, well, and also, come I, together. I didn't think that it was because the program was about reading people, not controlling them. Well, the, the goal was to be able to control them by reading what they're. Okay. That, that was established. But she, he's like, yeah, she has the most data on you. So she's the best at reading you. I hacked her using my nebulous hacking powers, which is the thing I really don't like. Yeah. That like, w- how? What? Why? Yeah. It was like, oh, yeah, I hacked her and used her to find you. It was like, okay, so what was the point of sending them to the school at all? Well, that and like, ha- again, it's that hacking. Like, I ha- I did hacking and now I know. Yes. But there is this rad panel of the other guy whose name I can't remember. So I should probably write it down. I'm just going to keep calling him Lemming. No, I meant the dude with Neo. The- Oh, yeah, the street tough. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. There's a great panel of him jumping off and punching the dude before he can draw a knife to attack Neo. And that's actually actually, really well drawn. Well, he had actually he had drawn the knife, but he was holding it on his right side with Neo on his left versus the street tough was on his right side. So he he ran up and smacked him. I was like, oh, you could see me. You saw me draw on top of like the little stair. Yeah, like door. And like you the motion of him jumping off to punch like it's all one panel, but it's really, really good. No, that was a really good panel, yeah. Which is a lot of the reasons I wanted to talk about this. Because if it had ended there, it would have been great. But then Neo has to keep going on on his bullshit about hacking. And yeah, I was like, oh, and this thing is all about controlling you. And so I hacked it to find you. And haha, I have I have bested you. Yeah, and that's like, eh, nope, thanks. Yeah. You were doing so good, Neolation. Why do you have to screw it up in the last minute? Why do you have to get that penalty for taunting and get it called back? Yeah. So that was Neolation. So next we have Demon Slayer Kimitsu no Yaiba, Chapter 143, Wrath. Yep. This is a chapter making me go, man, I wish I had been, I wish I had caught up on Demon Slayer so I knew who these other two people were. Yeah. 
basically Shinobu, who we've been following, gets beaten this chapter because her poison just won't work. Yep. And we see her flashing back to various characters and another one coming to her rescue. And the beats all work very, very well, even not knowing who anyone is. But yeah, like I, Kevin said, I wish I had some names for these faces to understand a little better what was going on. Yeah, I was still getting the beats, but they weren't hitting as hard, I feel like. Uh, one of the cool things I thought was that the demon is killing Shinobu by absorbing her. Yeah. He, like, he gets her in a hug, and then he opens up his arms later, and she's literally being absorbed into his torso, which is really cool. Yeah, and could be reversed, potentially, depending on how yeah. the situation goes. So yeah, I really like this one, but not a lot to say. The art got a little muddy in a way it hasn't before. It was hard to follow some of the fight scenes, so that hurt it in comparison to some of the more recent chapters, I feel. Yeah. When the other girl came in, I understood a bit better what was going on because I feel like the problem was the demon has these kind of like very flashy robes and Shinobu had like the insect flashy wings. So they kind of tended to get muddied together when they were like almost in hand to hand, like really close together. It was kind of hard to tell who was doing what because there's essentially just a bunch of multicolored cloth flying around. Yeah, and like I talked about with Act Age, all of the characters, at least all the ones we've seen so far, look super, super feminine in this, which yes. hasn't been as much of a problem because they have very distinctive dresses, but yeah, I could see in the future it being having them run together a little bit. A little bit, probably. Faces all kind of look the same to me. Yeah. But I did like the chapter overall. Yeah. So next we got Food Wars, Chapter 296, Crossed Knives. This went fast. Yeah. What do you think of Food Wars this week? We got to find out Saiba's new power. And by new, I mean the one he's always had. Yeah, we get to figure out Saiba's power. So what his power was gave me an idea of how Soma's going to beat him. Yeah, I can imagine that too. And I thought it was pretty interesting. I liked the fight. I thought it was okay. I didn't super care for it. It was just a Food Wars fight. That's not good or bad but it yeah. didn't do anything outstanding to me. No, In it fact, wasn't. I was really expecting it to take another chapter to give it more time. I wasn't with the fact that it was immediately Sukasa versus Saiba. Saiba and Sukasa had already been defeated by Soma. That's so. true. I was expecting him to put up a bit more of a fight, like a TN would. Yeah, well, I mean they kind of he kind of did. It was just the it was like the fact that it was like oh, man, Sukasa's dish is really good. It's just this guy's is on another level. Yeah. So I actually had a lot of little problems with this chapter, if I'm being honest. Like, okay. it starts out with Saiba saying, hey, let's make this more interesting. Why don't you bet your weird cheese grater sword against me? But we don't really find out what Sukasa would have gotten if he won. And Sukasa doesn't really have any reason to take the bet. His pride is really what makes him take the bet. And but that's... we don't even really see that. He kind of accepts the bet off screen. It's like a page turn where he's like, let's make this more interesting. How about this bet? And then we just take that he's accepted it as red. Yeah, well, it's that's basically what it is. Honestly, I think it would have been funny. It was like, ha, give me your weapon. No. What? No. I, I was kind of expecting that, too. Which is the same thing he pulled with Soma when he challenged him earlier. Yep. Although he decided, nah, I don't need your knife. I already got one. Well, and it's, I already have a Yukihira knife, yeah. essentially. Because uh, we find out what his power is, is he can just use the chef tools of other chefs and then perfectly mimic their powers, which is maybe, I don't want to say a little too anime for me. Food Wars is super No, I mean, oeuvre. literally, some of these people's freakish talents, and I'm using air quotes there, yeah, yeah, are I, anime powers. They're like anime superpowers. Mimasoka, Mimakasa, what's the... 
the giant street tough who mimics people, like that's, that's true. That's literally a superpower <laughs> that he has. That's fair, I guess. This one, I don't know why this one stretches credulity for me, and the god tongue does not. I could not tell you, but it just seemed like I don't know. It's a little bit like they keep throwing out the term freakish power now, and it seems like a new thing they're adding, and it seems like a weird thing to put out now. It's like now everybody has a food quirk. Yeah, but at the same time, it's I feel like they're putting out that all these new people have food quirks. That might be. They've mentioned that Tsukasa has the conversation with his ingredients. That always read as a metaphor to me, and I was fine with it. it and they're making it, it way more literal then, now. Yeah, but then again, we had the guy who literally had the anime superpower of, of being able to people. copy people. Yes, and we have Arena with the god tongue. It's not like this is brand new. Like yeah. I said, there's no reason this miracle stretches credulity when all the other ones don't. But it does for me. I gotcha. For me, it was just like, oh, yeah. So now they're just kind of ramping it up and everyone has anime superpowers, essentially. And that doesn't bother me because I'm reading a manga. Yeah. I'm reading a shonen battle manga that just happens to take place with cooking <laughs> instead of fighting. I, I agree with you. It just seemed like introducing a new thing, like, halfway in and trying to be like, it's been here all along. It just... Like I said, there's no good reason for it. I mean, that kind of feels like original Dragon Ball, where eventually they introduce key powers. Yeah, but again, that's pretty early. It is pretty early, but I mean, it's the similar concept of like, most of the early fights are with all fists, and then they just start introducing more and more advanced key powers, and people get more and more freakish powers as the series progresses. So I agree with you. It just, like I said, there's no good reason for it, but it doesn't for me like Saibas is like just a bit too much that he can just pick up chainsaw knife and have all of your cooking powers well I mean he mentioned there are stipulations that he has to face you in a one-on-one battle and he has to either be given or take the your knife. the your thing in a bet yeah. essentially so it's like I have these conditions to meet in order to activate my power that's true which gives it limitations it which just, I like. It feels more like a superpower to me than any of the others have, as I guess all it really is to it. I gotcha. Even though, like, Arina, like, at the age of six months was like, this breast milk's components are blah, yes. blah, 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 and it does not meet my refined tastes. <laughs> Bring me another wench. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll, speaking of Arina, she shows up very briefly in this chapter, and I'm not sure what that's about. Yeah, she's right at the end talking to Soma. And she Soma's like, oh, hey, Nakuri, what's up? And she's like, oh, yeah, blushy face, gotta go. And I don't know if that's just, like, a continuation of their relationship or if something has happened that she doesn't want to tell him Yeah, off screen. I don't know. We'll, we'll probably see what's up with that next chapter because that's kind of the cliffhanger for this one. Well, except for, no, there's another one because uh, Megumi shows up and he's like, quick, Takumi, oh, no, it's terrible. Yeah. So I was like, what? Yeah, that's the actual cliffhanger, but that's what I meant of it's kind of the cliffhanger of Arena showing up. Like, it's a dangling plot thread, not a cliffhanger, I guess. Yeah, I guess you're right. It just read as weird to me. Yeah. I wasn't sure what I was supposed to get out of it. So that, I think, brings us to the monthly books we read. First off, the one you wanted to read, which was Seraph of the End, Chapter 75, Secret Distance. Yep. So this one, we have Shinoa is being still being slowly transformed into a vampire by the first progenitor who's been possessing her. And we have Yu is going to give himself up to be tested on so that they can, so that the Japanese Imperial Demon Army, that sounds right. <laughs> that does sound right. I haven't read any of it, but you sound right. Can use him as a guinea pig to reverse the process. He's like, I don't care what happens to me, just save her. And then 
The guy's like, oh, we don't have to listen to guinea pigs. And he's like, if you hurt her, I'll kill you while he's being handcuffed and taken away. Yeah, I really like the first bit, which is that. But then the second one had a bunch of characters I'm not as familiar with, and it kind of lost me. Yeah, it had Crowley and Euford, who are two of the vampires that are currently palling around with you and the rest of his squad. And so Crowley is like, oh, I know a very easy way to stop her from becoming oh, a well, vampire. Oh, that's the end. I was talking about the middle section. Oh, the middle. Okay, I got you. With Gurin, is that his name? Yeah, it's Gurin. And... Is he being possessed by Shina's sister? Yes. Is that literal or a metaphor? Literal. Okay. Did we know that before? Yes. Okay. But not super long ago. Okay. Like, maybe 10 chapters. Maybe. That was one of the reveals that he's possessed by his sister. And so we kind of find out that a lot of these demons are essentially dead people. Gotcha. Makes sense. And her talking about if a person who's been resurrected finds out they've been resurrected, they've turned to dust. Gurin resur- I thought that was a metaphor, but... No, that's literal. Okay. So Gurin resurrected his friends, and he caused the outbreak event that threw the world into chaos by doing that. Oh, okay. Yeah, so like his four friends in high school that are part of his squad now are the reason that the world is screwed up because he did he perfected the ritual to summon the seraph of the end to resurrect them okay so this is all important stuff i should know yeah i really like seraph of the end and it's not again it's only like 75 chapters in so i had finally gotten caught up so that i probably was... could now it's all on shonen jump i bet yeah it's really good so i got volume one we're gonna read that at some point for the podcast so we'll see yep Oh, well, anyway, it ends on the cliffhanger, like we said, of the vampire's like, oh, there's a real easy way. You want me to do it? And they're like, yeah, please. Just have to cut her head off before she turns into a vampire. Well, no it's problems. Not, it's not just cut her head off. It's, it's like, I just got to kill her. And but he... she's clearly going for the head. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty good cliffhanger of like, oh, yeah, I know an easy way to stop her from becoming a vampire. Kill her before she becomes a vampire. So, yeah, I rather like this chapter. And the next one is next week because we slept on this one for a while. Yep. So the other monthly title we wanted to read was Dragon Ball Super Chapter 44, Escaped Prisoner Morrow. Not just because we just saw the Broly movie. Yeah, definitely not. Pretty good. If you can see it, you should in theaters. Yep. I do not know if that soundtrack is going to work on home video. Uh, prob- <laughs> probably not going to be as good. Some of the visuals are going to be a little weird, but... but... Like, it's really... We were right next to the speakers, and I was like, I do not know that this, like, the the choices they've made for the score would work in any other setting. Yeah, maybe maybe it'll be slightly remastered to maybe. be different, or it might be one of those cases of like, unless you have a surround sound system for your entertainment system, it's you're just gonna lose a little something. Like, and I think like that that soundtrack is weird enough that it's gonna go from great to terrible. I think it is right on that knife edge. It it might. Um, but anyway, this isn't about the Broly movie, which you should go see. It's about the manga. So, uh, the new evil villain, Moro, who is a wizard, has uh, apparently found out about the Dragon Balls from some Frieza soldier who he was in prison with. Yeah, he's the. I'm assuming he's the guy piloting the ship. Yes, I do too. And he's like, you take me to Namek. I don't know how you know where it is, but take me there. Magic, maybe? They mention that they're assuming that it's Moro is able to, he's able to sense the life entity. Oh, that's true. Of planets. I, so, you're right. it's probably him finding out where the Namekians are. Although, can he test specific life energies? Like, they say, hey, there's no life out there. And he goes, but there's no reason they should know. It's over here where there's no other life. Yeah, maybe maybe he does have a way of being like, that's Namekian energy. It's over there. Maybe. Like, but they mentioned that it's it's probably Morrow who found it. and yeah. it, But it was the ex-Frieza soldier who 
told, told him to go looking. Yeah, yeah, to go looking that way. So he probably wants to pull a Demon King Piccolo and get his magic back, is my assumption. Because he's ge- like, some of my magic is back, but I'm still yeah, I'm I'm, nearly as strong. I'm guessing that's what's going to happen. Because he mentions he only wants one wish. Yeah. So, Although he says it very ominously. He's like, and then I will have no need of you. Yeah. And he's like, great! <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, man, all... I- as much as I, that guy being a villain, I like his villainous of like, the only thing he wants to do is, I just want to be sent to a planet yeah. that's okay to live on, that Frieza or the Galactic Patrol are never going to find me on. I like that little guy too. I just think he's dead. Like, oh yeah, Speaking of totally the Broly dead. movie, the two random ass Saiyans might be my favorite character. Leak who went with Paragus, I was really hoping he was going to survive. And when Frieza found them, he's like, and I'm here too. Yep. Uh, and same with like Broly's pilot. Broly, uh, with Bardock's pilot at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, I like those guys. I even like the two Frieza soldiers. Oh, I think those are, they're very likable. They're practically the protagonists of that movie. Yeah. But anyway, we're not talking about that. So, Goku's like, oh no, I, he also, when I tried to sense his energy, he could, like, sense that I was looking for him somehow. Yeah, so he told, creepy. yeah, so he told Vegeta not to go look for him. And he was like, you know, I started looking for him, and then he saw that I was looking, so I stopped. But then they're like, oh, he must have found out about the Dragon Balls. And they're like, oh, well, we know where he's going. So they're like, well, I mean, he's going to get to it first. He's been on a head start. And, and Goku's Goku's like, oh, no, I can get there instantaneously. Yeah, he's like, he already knows I'm looking for him. So, I mean, might as well pop over. He won't come to Vegeta. Want to come, Jeets? Yep. Vegeta's like, yeah, I want to find a wizard. Yeah, and the two, the two, <laughs> the two Galactic <laughs> Patrol guys are, you know, like, what? How? Where did they? What? And so they're like, should we go after them? And the other is like, no, we should go to HQ and wait for Boo to wake up. Yeah. And he's like, those two are almost as strong as me. I was like, those those two are multiple <laughs> times stronger than you in their normal form. Uh, so Vegeta's like, I'm going to fight first. This is how this story goes. Always. I fight first and you clean up and get the kill, Kakarot. Yep. <laughs> uh, there's a line of Vegeta being like, I caused the Namekians a lot of harm, so I have to make sure I don't anymore, which... I like his character development, but I also feel like Vegeta would never say out loud. Probably, but I I did like that where he was like, I caused the Namekians a lot of strife, so I have to make sure that nothing else bad happens to them on my watch. Because he... Goku shows up and gets the all of the Namekians to exit the village that the spaceship is heading towards, but one of the children gets like stuck behind in the house. And so Moro telekinesis is him to his hand to s- suck out his life force. Because he's like, ah, oh, don't worry, I'm not going to do anything to this kid, he's just food. And Vegeta intercepts him and then starts, he goes immediately Super Saiyan and starts beating down Moro, who again uses his telekinesis to stop him. Like he catches him in the air and then just starts slamming him into the ground and throws him through a wall. But Vegeta pops out totally fine, I'm assuming in Super Saiyan God mode. I'm pretty sure that's Super Saiyan God, it looks more red. In black and white it's really hard to tell. Like, when I saw the second one, I was sure that was God, but when I was saw the first one, I'm like, that could be regular God or Blue. I don't know. I'm assuming you just went immediately Super Saiyan, because they don't typically tend to go immediately to one of the transformations that kind of tend to Build bounce. So then he goes into God and has more access. Doesn't God have access to, like, telekinetic powers or something it's like that? It's got God key. What that is is very vague. Not yeah. usually just, like, straight up telekinesis. But I would believe that you can't magic God key. That tracks. Yeah, because he's much easier able to take on Moro, and so Moro's like, fine, you want to see my magic? And he takes off his cloak, showing that he's super emaciated. Like, because his shoulders are gigantic, but he's just got this tiny little twig body. Yeah, and he's like, 
face the power of my magic next month. Yep. <laughs> so pretty good overall. Yeah, I liked it. I'm enjoying this new Dragon Ball Super content. So. Yeah. And this is a pretty decent spot to jump in without knowing anything about Super, just like when I went to go watch the Broly yeah, movie. Yeah, what did you think about the Broly movie, not knowing anything? Because Tyler, so, Tyler was like, I need a quick recap. What do I need to know? So, I mean, so the I thing is, I know a little bit about Dragon Ball Super because listening to you guys talk about it, and yeah. it's I just I know a little bit about it. I feel like Frieza's Alive Again is an important bit. that the Yes, but I had seen Resurrection F with you, so I but kind of But he died knew- then. He's alive again. I guess. And he dies at the end of Resurrection F. But I guess, like, if you forgot that detail, then yes, it tracks fine. But yeah, but, like, I knew he was a part of the... Tournament I knew he was a part of the team. Yeah, the yeah. Tournament of Power. So it it wasn't weird that he was alive for me because it was like, I know vague ideas about it. I feel like that's the only thing you need between Resurrection F and Broly to understand is Freeze is alive again. Yeah. Because none of the other stuff really comes up. No, he doesn't use Ultra Instinct. I was surprised Vegeta didn't use Super Saiyan even more blue. Yeah. But that's not a big problem. Good movie. You should see it. Yep. Uh, Speaking of good, we're about to rank things from most good to least good. Only the opposite, least good to most good, because we start with the bad stuff. It's time for Jump Card. Jump Card is the segment where we rank all the chapters we've read. We're going to only do the weekly chapters from now on, I think, because the monthly ones come out weirdly, and we're going to read them and talk about them at weird times. Yeah. So we are going to, whichever monthly title we talk about, we're going to include in the list, and then that'll be that. So I was thinking maybe something at the end of the month, but again, because they come out at weird times, and there are ones that are on like a bi-monthly release schedule, it's... It's very weird. So, yeah. So what do you have at the bottom, Kevin? I have Actage at the bottom. Really? Yeah. I had Actage this week just because it's kind of it's still writing a very bad I don't know what's going on thing and I don't like it in general. I mean, my bottom is there for similar reasons with Jujutsu Kaisen. I yeah. really just had no idea what was going on. I had that more, this week. I had more of an idea what was going on with that. So. I feel like still someone's trying to kill somebody. They're not supposed to kill it, but they decided to kill him. Yep. Again, I'm getting a tuning exam vibe with that one. Yeah, I get the vibe, but I just no details. So what do you got at number 13? So my next one up is... Oh, I'm sorry. What do yeah. you have at number It'll, it'll uh, be 15. 15 for me. What do you have at number 15? So my number 15 was Neolation because the series just kills me. Same with me. My number 15 was also Neolation. I... Like I said, I really like that punch scene. I was like, oh, this is a good chapter of Neolation. And then they just like did a touchdown dance that was awful. Yeah. And it really tanked the chapter for me. Yeah, that's just the way it goes. My number 14 was Jujutsu Kaisen because I need to get caught up to know who all these people are. But like I, I get a sense of what's going on in the story. So it's like I'm getting a weird tuning exam vibe, but like I understand what's going on. The two guys are having this like internal power, not internal power struggle, but power struggle of like one guy was the head of this other big family and this, the other guy's part of like the big three families 
So there's a bunch of like political stuff going on between them. But not knowing exactly what's going on is really what's pushing it down the list. Yeah, uh, everything from 14 and up is stuff I would say I liked. My number 14 is Hell's Paradise Jigokuraku. For similar reasons, I didn't really understand what was going on, but it was just like some small stuff. There was some more interesting stuff with the guy with amnesia here. Yeah. But like the ending was kind of confusing. I wasn't sure who was meeting who. Yeah. And what was going on with that, but I did enjoy it. Yeah, so my number 13 was Black Clover. This was just kind of a one of those transition-y chapters where it's like, all right, we've gathered up together and we need to go fight the final boss. He's in that big shadow castle, and like that's really all that happened. So the Black Clover gang is separating. So Noel, one of the restoration mage the like plant mage i looked her up after this chapter yeah i'm I'm sure you would have had to because you can't you wouldn't have met her yeah she showed up in the they had a tournament to determine who would be going with the captains on the mission that ended up finding the elves resurrection ritual and she was one of the people who fought against asta i want to say anyway so her noel asta obviously and then the captains are going to be going into the Shadow Castle while the rest of the Black Bulls are going to fight the elves that are trying to stop the humans from making it to the castle. Uh, I actually rank this one much higher than you. Again, it was, like you said, just a transition chapter. But I actually like that about it. I like the little like love triangle between Asta, Noel, and Restoration Mage that Asta's completely unaware of. Yeah, like that's the sort of stuff I live for in well, no, that shonen was, anime. That was great. The bit, and it was all because of one of the one of their old enemies. She's the chick with the, she's like the crazy research addicted yeah. chick, and she's like, "Why are you wearing Asta's clothes?" And she's like, "Oh, most of mine got burnt off." And they were like, "How did that happen?" That was that was good. So, what did you have at your number thirteen? I had Doctor Stone at number thirteen, just because it was kind of, and like I said, it was a very good shonen jump. Yeah, I did like this chapter of Dr. Stone just fine. It just didn't have any real impact. Yeah, just they made wheat. They made bad bread. And there was a pretty funny joke. They're like, no, we need a chef. This is not acceptable. We have to go find us a chef to resurrect. who can make us good bread. Yes, I thought that was pretty great. So my number 12 was Hell's Paradise. I did kind of like this chapter. The ending with the one girl that has a very hard time speaking when the amnesia guy goes and like snaps his neck and he's like, haha, I've defeated, I've defeated this man. And she's like, no, him big Tao. I thought it was great. Like I could just hear it. I don't know what her voice actor would sound like, but I could just hear her in my head of like, no, him big Tao, look out. <laughs> yeah. And then him like getting up and being totally fine. I'm assuming he's like an antagonist of some kind. I got that vibe off of him that he's some weird, like antagonist of the groups looking for the elixir of life. Like he's doing it for, the Yakuza of the time. Not that the Yakuza exists, but... Some sort of criminal organization. Yeah, some sort of criminal organization. That was the feeling I got off of him. Uh, so my number 12 was Act Age, because while I don't really like Act Age, the emotional beats actually worked for me in this one. It still wasn't great, but I kind of got what they were going for. It kind of fixed a lot of their show-don't-tell problems I have with Act Age in general, and I just thought it was a much better chapter than normal. Yeah. Again, a lot of the reason why I ranked mine so low is that I haven't liked previous chapters, so... It just, I go into the chapter expecting not to like it, basically, and so I won't. I do too, although for me, it's like, it's more likely to have something that will surprise me and make me put it higher, because I'm expecting not to like it. I gotcha. So, my number 
11 was Dr. Stone. Like you said, kind of middle of the road. I did like the, all right, yeah, we finally earned the ability to make bread. And Taj is the farm king or the food king now. And he's been given the straw hat, the straw cowboy hat that will symbolize the fact that he will be the leader of the group now that... Farming? Senku. Well, yeah, I guess the farming group. But I did like the fact that they're like, yeah, let's eat this bread. And so all the Stone Age people are like, oh, this is so amazing. I can't believe this. And Senku and... Why do I forget the captain's name? Ryusei. Ryusei. I was going to say Tsukasa. Are like, oh, this is unpalatable because we're used to eating actually good food. Yeah, this is unacceptable. We need a chef. Yep, so they're... It's, it's not just because I'm a greedy motherfucker. Also, we need bread that will last and not kill us on her voyage. Yeah, well, he was talking about people have been known to starve with food readily available because they find it disgusting. Yeah. Which is somewhat true, but there was actually... This is a small side effect of... The human brain is pretty interesting. There was a guy who got stuck on a life raft for like 80 days. And he had the ability to collect water... Because he could set up, uh, you can set up a, a essentially like a water catcher. You like basically turn an umbrella inside out and dew will form on the inside of the umbrella and then travel down to the bottom where you can drink it out of a reservoir. And so that's what he had. And then he had like a basic fishing line. And so he was able to get fish all the time. But if you just eat fish meat, you won't survive because it doesn't have the nutrients. So his brain started tricking him into eating all of the fish. So the bones? Not just the bones, like the The eyes, eyes, the guts. Like, I don't think you need to actually eat the bones. I don't know that we can process them. Yeah. But it's like the eyes, the guts, that kind of... the. I don't know if there's any nutrients in scales. I don't know. But either way, the big thing was like the eyes and the guts. And he was like, I literally craved it. Because like my brain inherently knew that I need to eat all of the animal to get the nutrients that I need. So he was like, it was very weird coming back to civilization and being like, yeah, I'd like fish heads now, (laughs) as opposed to before when I would have been like, no, this is disgusting. Get it away from me. So my number 11 was Hellward and Higuma, because it's just that generic shonen stuff. And that's the generic shonen line. I'm not really sure why I put it above Dr. Stone. It just felt right to me to do that. So I did. Yep. So my number nine was also Hellwarden. Yeah, it's a fight against this Diamond Raven. That was kind of cool, but like you said, kind of just generic shounen. I thought we were on number... Are we on number 10? 10, Yeah. I am on number 10, sorry. My number 10 was Hayaku. So, I did kind of like this chapter of Hayaku. I kind of like the message that Bokuto was getting across of, I'm in it for the fun. And so, that was like changing the way he was doing a lot of things. Like, it's not fun getting tired. It's not fun losing. It's not fun struggling. So I'm going to focus on doing stuff that's fun. So I'm going to, because like at one point he mentions, man, I'm beat. And then immediately just keeps to continue to perform. And the opponent captain is like, he literally said out loud that he's tired. Why is he still performing exactly like he has been the rest of the game? Yeah. And they also mention he does a really cool play where, so he goes for a spike and they triple block him, but he actually, he managed to set it up for a rebound so that they can get another shot. And so it looks like he's going to go for another spike again, but then he just, I think they call it dinking. He just dinks it. So he just hits it barely enough that it goes over the net over the net away from the blockers, and it caught the one guy off guard because he was expecting, if it got past the blockers, it was going to be this huge spike. 
So he missed it and I got a point and the announcers are like, wow, like they're deep into this match and he's still got his wits about him. That's pretty cool. My number 10 was Black Clover. I pretty much feel like we talked about why already. Yep. I like that Shonen transition stuff, even though that's very much what it is. Yep. All right. Back to my number nine, which was Hellwarden. So moving on, what was your number nine? My number nine was Demon Slayer. Again, I just thought the fight was a little bit more muddy than it usually is. Yeah. Which really hurt it, in my opinion. Other than that, I really like the chapter. I just wish the action was a little more clear. Yeah, the my number eight was Demon Slayer for a lot of the same reasons. Like I said when I was talking about it, I really need to get caught up so that I know who these people are because I was like, man, I was kind of, I see, I feel like I should be excited about the dude at the end who's going to fight apparently one of his old like school dudes or whatever that's now a demon. Let's, apparently that can happen. Yeah. So I was like, this seems awesome. I really need to get caught up on <laughs> Demon Slayer. My number eight was Haikyuu. Like I've talked about before, I just, I feel like I have the formula and it kind of bugs me a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think the fact that the first two chapters we read just spoke to us so much set the bar really high. That might've been it. Like in these later ones, I mean, I get it, but it's just life advice. It's not like, oh yeah, that's my credo. Yeah. It's just weirdly weird timing, but yeah, I did like it. It ranked pretty high still. Yep. So my number seven. Yeah. Seven was Seraph of the End. That was a pretty good chapter. Not a ton happens in it, but I did really like the chapter in general. The ending is going to be really interesting to see what's going to happen with Federed attacking Shinoa. My number seven is also Seraph of the End. The Like I said, the kind of middle bit kind of lost me, but I did get that it was important stuff going on. And I figured out, I think, what was important reveal to me. Yeah. So. Yeah. The... Again, the middle bit didn't lose me because I knew all of the characters talking. So it it's not that it faded out of my mind, but it faded out of my mind that like it was a separate bit, essentially. I was like, oh, yeah, when you mentioned like, no, before that part, I was like, oh, yeah, there was that part before <laughs> that. So my number six was Dragon Ball Super. I thought this was a pretty good chapter to Dragon Ball Super. I liked the hijinks of Goku being like, oh, no, he can sense me. And then they're like, oh, well, he's going to make it to Namek first because he's going after the Dragon Balls because this is a Dragon Ball Z thing. And the only person to not do that is Cell. Boo didn't go after the Dragon Balls. Yeah, I guess Boo didn't go after the Dragon Balls either. So it's circling back around to Dragon Ball Z where the whole thing is about going after the Dragon Balls. <laughs> at uh, least in the beginning. It feels like Vegeta didn't either, but he did. He he was just like, I'm here for the Dragon Balls. Like, we're going to fight you. He's like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> He was here for the I Dragon like Balls to, to get. Too. Yeah, he was here for the Dragon Balls to get immortality so that Frieza couldn't kill him. Yeah. And anyway, I like that. I liked the fight with Moro where he was like, he doesn't seem to be that particularly good of a fighter. He's using magic to fight Vegeta, and I thought that was pretty neat. My number six is Food Wars. Mm-hmm. Where basically I talked about all the things that bugged me. It was still pretty good, but a lot of the stuff bugged me and just kept it down. All the other stuff I really liked. But uh, Food Wars and Up is the stuff that I really liked. So Yeah, my number five was Food Wars. Like you said, it didn't bug me at all the fact that this was his superpower and now everyone is developing their own superpowers for cooking, essentially. Like, all right, cool. I, this is an escalation for me, but it doesn't bother me. My number five was Dragon Ball Super. I mean, again, I feel like we've talked all about the reasons for yep. that. It just went above Food Wars because it didn't bug me as much. Other than that Vegeta line, which did kind of bug me and is kind of why it's so far down. Yep. But that does feel like it's a thing Vegeta would do. It's I just not something think he, would he would say. say. Yeah. Yeah. My number four was We Never Learn. I thought this was a pretty cute one. I liked the reveal at the end. So just good all around. We Never Learn. Same. My number four is We Never Learn. Nice. <laughs> Same. 
So my number three was The Promised Neverland. I liked the reveal that the demons have to eat humans in order to stay intelligent. That, like, they're still villainous, but it makes them a bit, just a bit less evil. They're not eating humans just because they want to. It's They're eating humans because they have to, essentially. Like, in order to maintain myself, I need to eat humans. And also the introduction of the, the fact that the lower class demons are... I'm guessing are getting stupider. Yeah, it sounds that way. It is what they're kind of hinting at. Like that's going to probably lead to some really cool. I'm hoping will lead to some really cool political stuff. We'll see in between the demon clans, and I'm just interested to see where that goes. I'm also interested to see about some characters that you haven't met. What will be happening with them? So my number three is My Hero Academia, okay. because there's not a lot of emotional weight to this chapter, but the fight seems amazing. Yeah. And the way it all goes together is really, really good. Almost every panel is really cool. So, yep. So my number two was My Hero Academia, because like you said, really like the fight scenes. I really like that it's Shinsuo versus Deku, and it's kind of two people who are really now learning how to both use their powers to be heroes. Like they've been doing it for a while, but I feel like a lot of the other people in the class are kind of more used to it. They're kind of always pushing Deku as the person who he puts in a ton of work, but he kind of has to put in a ton of work to get caught up versus like Bakugo is a natural born genius at fighting kind of thing. Yeah. My number two is Promise Neverland, just because the emotional impact of like Norman talking hit harder to me than the My Hero stuff. I got you. Even though I really like My Hero and I'm really curious what Emma's going to say next week. Uh, So that leaves our number one. Chainsaw Man. Chainsaw Man. I'm not going to say it's just for the panel of give me back my boobs. <laughs> but it's but a huge highlight, right? I laughed for like two minutes after just reading that panel. Mm-hmm. I, I had to put, I read on my tablet. I had to put my tablet down and I was laughing for like two minutes on that panel. I was like, oh, this was the fun. That was the funniest thing ever. That was really funny. The like stuff with the cat and power was actually really cute in the flashback. Yeah, I, I just really liked it. I like the flushing out of the character of... Oh, power's not just, like, the fact that it turned out that Miaoi was actually real really hit me. And, and we didn't talk about this, but the demon's like, oh, I gotta eat some kids to cleanse my palate. Then I should have, like, a full-grown man as my dinner. No, then I want so, a pregnant lady for dessert. So he's like, I'm gonna have some children to cleanse my palate. Then I'm gonna have a full-bodied woman. Oh, then yeah. a plump man. And then a pregnant woman for dessert. It's like, it's some generic demon stuff. But also, it's like, man, chainsaw this guy. Yep. He needs it. Also, that panel with the chainsaw starting to like poke out of his face and it like it makes him look derpy because he hasn't had that whenever he activates his chainsaw form, he gets that like weird mask, mask. headpiece thing. So like it looks like his face turned off essentially while the chainsaw's coming out through the middle, which would make sense. You have a chainsaw coming out of your face. So I'm really excited to see how this fight goes, especially because I think right now they're in the air. Mid-air, yeah. yeah. Because he was, like, riding on the back of him. So I'm interested to see how that goes and how Power is going to react to the fact that he wasn't, like, Denji isn't a normal human. He has devil powers. And I'm guessing he's going to be like, no, remember when I told you that I have Pachita <laughs> here in my chest? I didn't mean my heart. I mean literally my chest. Pretty good stuff. I'm happy. I hope Chainsaw Man goes long and does really well. I hope it stays. Yeah, I'm really liking it, so I'm hoping that it's a big thing over in Japan, too, and we keep getting more Chainsaw Man. All right, so speaking of big things in Japan, 
Next, we are going to be talking about Codename Sailor V, the predecessor to Sailor Moon. So go ahead and get that after the break. Alright, we're back to talk about Codename Sailor V. And Yaku Takeuchi? Why can't I say your name? I said it fine when we did Sailor Moon. I don't know. It's a kind of prequel to Sailor Moon isn't right because it came out first and alongside Sailor Moon. Yes. It's this weird prototype where it did very well very quickly. And so they're like, let's make this an anime. And she was like, no, wait, I have a better idea. Yeah. And she made Sailor Moon. And then Sailor V gets folded into that. Yeah, but it ends up being very weird because of that. Like it. It seems very odd that Sailor V would exist in universe. Yeah. Essentially first. It's like, why would you do that first? It's the closest to like a Marvel universe or a DC universe thing that I can think of happening in manga. Yeah. But it'd be like the... It would be like if Ultraman showed up like three weeks after Superman and he was the most more popular character, but Superman was on his team. Yeah. And Ultraman was really into Superman merchandise. <laughs> Yeah, I was kind of leaning towards that or kind of leaning towards from the Marvel side. It was like if one of the if it wasn't if they hadn't started with Iron Man, they had started with like Hawkeye and then he ended up just being like not part of the background. But the reason that analogy doesn't quite work, I get where you're going with it, is that Sailor V and Sailor Moon's powers are pretty much the same, right? Uh, sort of. I mean, they're both vague powers. Yeah. Which is one of the kind of problems with Sailor Moon, because it's descended from, like, Super Sentai. Yeah. And their powers are super vague. It's also super weird, because the first part of the Sailor Moon anime takes super heavily from Sailor V, and, like, making her a solo heroine. Yeah. So that makes them even feel less distinct in a weird way. Whereas if you read the Sailor Moon manga, she's a team player almost right away. Yeah, it's just, it's very weird that, because, like, for me, so, Sailor V... The moment Sailor Moon is found and turned into Sailor Moon, why doesn't Sailor V get roped into it? Yeah, it's because she doesn't know. Like, and that's gone more into detail. Yeah, but the, into, uh, it, it probably is. But for me, I'm looking at it like, all right, so shouldn't Artemis have known? Because I'm assuming the boss is Luna. Yeah, it does seem. There is the weird thing where the boss in this seems to be Luna and the boss when you're reading Sailor Moon seems to be Artemis. Yeah. So it makes it seem like they're in contact. Yeah, it's like, all right, so like people know that venus is on planet and has been found it's like we found sailor moon all right we need to collect the other v soldiers shouldn't you lead with sailor v the one who already is running around doing stuff but they don't know that she's secretly sailor venus kevin she's got that mask yeah it's basically glasses and a mask how could you hide your identity any better uh yeah the, the mask like i don't know if it's just knowing sailor moon first the mask on her costume looks really weird though right Yes. I mean, it's just, I think, a result of trying to do, like, a Western superhero mask like Robin has over anime eyes, yep. and therefore you have to make the eye holes giant, so it yep. just looks strange. Sailor Moon has one as well. She just immediately discards it. Yeah. So, this opens up with Mino? Mina. Mina. Doing some gymnastics to show off the fact that she's super athletic. Yeah, unlike Sailor Moon, she's not completely incompetent. She is good at gymnasts. Yeah. 
she has really good reflexes and really good physical ability, but that's it. She doesn't like studying. She's a layabout. She likes playing video games. So she's very similar to Usagi, just not. She has physical capabilities as opposed to just being a crybaby. Yeah, and she's not really a crybaby either. She's a lot cheerier isn't the right word, but she's also more optimistic. She's very violent because she's very good physically. Like, at one point, some of her classmates mention, are you even really a girl? And she proceeds to beat them up, which is not what you would expect a girl like Mina to do. Yeah, so anyway, she's going along, doing her thing, doing gymnasts, doing gymnasts? I'm going to call it gymnasts all episode. Screw it. So <laughs> Going to school. She It's when she's doing one of the moves. So she's doing a D-rank move, which there's a translator's note that gymnastic moves are ranked A to F, with A being the easiest and F being the most difficult. So be, doing a D-rank move in middle school is pretty hard. And uh, Kat is like sitting on her landing point. So she ends up messing up and getting yelled at. And she's like, but there was this weird cat. Like, I, if it weren't for the cat, I totally would have stuck it. And so later we find out that the cat is Artemis. And he's been following her around thinking that this must be Venus, even though I don't like the fact that this is Venus. It's kind of like the... I think he has a line of uh, great physical ability, but doesn't like to do all these things. Yeah, that sounds like her. Like, oh, yeah, this must be the resurrection of her. Too bad. Like, she has a ton of personality flaws that aren't good. Why can't they all be Ami? God damn it. She's perfect. So he's like, hey, here's your cool compact. You're secretly Sailor V. Yep. Soldier of Justice. You have to fight the enemy. She's like, but I don't want to. And I'm like Sailor Moon, who's way more like crybaby about it and it's like but i don't want to fight she's like no nah, i'm busy playing video games yep and i really like mina's personality i think that's a lot of why i like sailor v and a lot of why it works yeah. and it is the thing that distinguishes it from sailor moon yeah i also like the fact that she's like you're the soldier of justice and you need to fight the enemy explain those no well then no <laughs> i'm not going to do anything for yeah, you now this is the other thing is she's a lot less willing to put up with Artemis's bullshit. Than well, yeah it's like you need to fight the enemies who was the enemy i can't tell you that then how am i supposed to fight them like if I were in a similar situation, you need to fight the enemy. Who are the enemy? Well, I can't tell you that. Then I can't fight them, can I? You just need to go around and train. Train to do what? You're not helping me at all. Uh, Artemis is a terrible boss. Uh, he's horrible. Like, Loon is not a great boss, but... He's at least trying... Or... She? She's yeah. Nendor. She's at least trying to, like, actually get Usagi to train and, like, has goals for that training. Versus Artemis is like, you need to train. And I don't know if this is just a case of they didn't, the author just didn't explain it well, but it just comes off of like, you need to train. Train to do what? Like, what What am I supposed to be doing? Be gymnasts better. Well, except it's not that. It's like, no, you need to study harder. That's it was like, true. How is that going to help me crescent moon kick people in the <laughs> face? Look, one day you're going to have to find the moon princess and <laughs> you'll have to be smart to do that. Her name's not literally going to be Moon Bunny. Yeah, but it's the, oh, we're, I'm withholding information from you, and it's like, it's to kind of hold, withhold it from the audience, but it's just, for me, that was one of the things that kind of annoyed me about, honestly, about both Sailor Moon and Codename Sailor V, although with Sailor Moon, they kind of hint it as more of a, you have amnesia and you have to remember it yourself, so I can't tell you. So, like, they kind of make it, like, you you actually know this. You're just, you need to remember. And I don't I, think Luna really knows either. Yeah, like, like, she has a better sense, but she hasn't Lu Yeah, Luna either. almost, Luna, 
yeah, just like that. She's like, I almost have amnesia. Like, I know you need to fight the enemy, but I, I only remember certain stuff as we go along. Versus this Artemis, it feels like Artemis knows everything. It's just not telling Mina for no reason. <laughs> yeah. And I think the easy no prize answer is that Artemis is just a jerk and doesn't want to admit he doesn't know. But that's not... I mean, that's that's probably either. it, but it also might, like you said, because this was the first one that started, she might have had the idea to do the amnesia thing for Sailor Moon and not implemented it in Codename Sailor V. So it's just a weird byproduct of the way this publication went. Yeah, it's a very weird and fascinating thing, in my opinion, like the way these two manga are interlinked yeah. and how much gets taken from this. Because the major difference between the two is Sailor V is a lot more fun. Yes. Like the series, like Sailor Moon is super serious and kind of dark and romantic and has those super gruesome death scenes. And I love it for all that. But Sailor V is just like, I got superpowers. I'm going to like, I'm going to go fight. I'm going to go fight crime, like (laughs) regular crime. No, you need to be fighting the enemy. Well, if you can't tell me who they are, I'm going to keep catching bad guys. Yeah. Like the police chief is like, oh, she makes us look so bad, but I have such a crush on her. Well, the police, it's not the police chief that says she makes us look bad. It's the... Well, it's her subordinate. Yeah, it's the one subordinate who she's always yelling at. Why aren't we doing well? It's because Sailor V beats us to all the crime scenes. It's like, well, then you should probably go solve some cases, shouldn't you? I also love that Mina wants to be an idol and is super into, like, frivolous teen idol stuff. And the dark agency, which is the enemy, just keeps pumping out idols to brainwash people. The villain of the first chapter is... The new pretty boy in school that Mina has a crush on, she's trying to give him a love letter and keeps getting interrupted. And at one point, she finds him talking to another girl when she was about to give him the letter. And she's like, oh, he's in love with her. But then he brainwashes her, absorbing her life energy. And so that's when Artemis makes her transform into Sailor V to go fight him. It's like he's not human. Use the compact to see his true form. Yeah, there's lots of ideas like that that get way better refined in Sailor Moon yeah. that are just kind of thrown out here, which makes it feel like a published rough draft in a lot of weird ways. Sort of, yeah. It's not that the draft is rough, it's just, it's one of those things of like... It was her first series and she got way better after yeah. doing one. And I've I've read a ton of authors that are like that, like, oh, I really like these books. It's like, have you ever read their first book? Like, Dresden Files. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Storm, Stormfront's not, not good. great. The second one isn't very good either. No, but that's one of my favorite series of all time. So it's kind of this like it takes them a little while. Next to nobody comes out with a a straight out hit out of the park for their first novel being Uh, a writer. On the other hand, there is the other idea that you spend your entire life writing your first book and like two years or whatever writing the second one. So there are exceptions to that rule. But I definitely get what you're saying. Well, that's why I said to fail and learn. Well, and, like, a lot of writers tend to start off with, like, short stories and stuff. So, like, their first published, like, book will be amazing, but they'll have written some other stuff beforehand. But there are the people that they just, this guy was a great writer, and this is the first thing he ever published, and it was amazing. But there's a lot of people who, just like with anything else, when you first try something, you're not incredible at it. Not to say that it's not good and it's not worth reading or doing, but... Whenever you first start doing something, you're not the best at it and you kind of develop things as you go along. So like you said, there's a lot of stuff where it kind of feels like this was her throwing out some ideas that that she then refined in Sailor Moon. Yeah. So like the the second chapter is this way more laid back thing, not laid back, but more down to earth thing where there's just this pervert at the arcade. 
yeah. that doesn't believe a girl can be good at video games. Yeah, so Artemis has figured out that Mina likes video games, and she actually learns stuff off of video games, because he's like, she mentions that, well, it's weird that you're Artemis, but you're named after a girl. And he was like, what? How do you know about Artemis, the Greek myth? She was like, oh, it's part of this one fighting game as part of this character's backstory. And so him and the boss develop a video game to help Sailor V learn how to be a better Sailor V without really explaining how to do that. I love that it's just a side-scroller, too. And I love that this is one of the major things that carries over into Sailor Moon and that the Sailor Scouts all play this video game to train to be Sailor Scouts. Yeah, but after she plays this video game for a while, she goes and plays... So in the first chapter, she's at the arcade and she mentions that she's never been able to beat this one this one guy at the arcade because it's back in the arcades where the top score you get to input your name and so you can kind of see the ranking list of I've never been able to beat this guy and after playing the game she kind of sees the pattern in the game and manages to beat the guy's high score and it turns out he's been there the whole time and he's like you must secretly be a man there's no way a girl could be this good at video games so he's like trying to he's like you undress now which and she's like who is this creeper yeah, it's coming off very weird, but in his head, I'm sure it sounds it's like, oh, this must clearly be a dude. And it's like, yeah, but I mean, asking a dude to get naked in the middle of an arcade wouldn't be the best call either. Maybe calm down a little bit. So the end of the story, she transforms into a superhero and Kamen Rider kicks him in the head as hard as she can. Yeah. Well, which is great. Admittedly, it's not just because he's being creepy. He literally starts molesting her. So she's at least somewhat justified in kicking him in the face. She just does it a little too hard because she has super powered kicks. And there's a great bit where Artemis is like, nah, this is a creepy dude. We better cheese it before the cops come. Yeah. <laughs> which I love. Yeah, it was great. So then the third chapter begins the pop idol arc where <laughs> we find, actually, we don't find out it's the dark agency for. A couple chapters, Another but it's the Dark chapters. Agency. But it's the Dark Agency, and they've been pumping out, so Pandora is this new pop idol that, is this the one where they're using, yeah, this is the one where they're using her television to suck the energy or the life force out of people, so she's, Pandora's going to be on this special channel that you have to get like a special antenna for that somebody paid to put in all the homes, but... Mina's dad wasn't able to figure out how to hook it up, so she wasn't able to watch the concert. So she's not affected by the brainwashing that everyone else is. So she's able to, after Artemis informs her that, oh, hey, this person's part of the enemy and they're brainwashing people through TV. So she transforms into Sailor V to go fight Pandora. And that's when the otaku guy from, I forget his name. From Sailor Moon. It's actually a different guy. Is it a different guy? Yeah, he looks identical. Okay. This is another weird rough draft thing. Same with, like, Mina's best friend. Looks identical to Usagi's best friend. Yes. But they are different characters. Okay. They're, they're functionally the same character, though. All right, they have so, different names. So a weird otaku guy, who is part of her class, that there must be one in every class, apparently, <laughs> is coming along with her. And this is where there's a bit of, like, he's very weird, but he ends up helping out mina a lot just indirectly almost but he gets captured by pandora and she's like you saw my true form because pandora comes off as this super cute pop idol but she's actually this old ugly hag and so that's when we get mina's power of the her compact has the ability to show people's true form so 
she shows Pandora her true form, which is this old ugly hag, and then melts her. Yeah, it's a little anticlimactic. It gets much better in Sailor Moon, but yep. it's all there. My favorite thing is the next chapter where this new pop idol shows up. Her name is Petite Pandora. Yep. <laughs> And she's just a little chibi Pandora that Sailor V has to fight, which is incredible, I feel like. Yes. She does mention that she's Pandora's sister, like yeah. younger sister. But yeah, it was pretty great. I love that Mina doesn't immediately cash on either. Yeah, she's like, oh, Petite Pandora. Yeah, and she's like really into it. And Artemis is like, are you kidding me? So she defeats her as well, and then we get, like, the Dark Agency's grand plan, which is they have, like, the Dark Boys to appeal to women, Pandora Pandora. to appeal to older men, Petite Pandora for younger men, and soon they're going to corner the market on energy. They're going to have a pop idol for every age demographic so that they can steal the energy of everyone on the planet. More villains need to think this way, I feel like. It's, oh, we're going to brainwash people while making all these pop idols. That... That is a really good evil plan. And also it plays nicely into the cultural commentary stuff about yeah. how powerful the media is, but that we see their like strategy meeting for different demographics that was really, really great. takes it to another level. Yeah, they're like, oh yeah, we'll be getting all the energy we want. Oh, plus tons of cash. <laughs> yeah, no one likes cash. Well, it's You need infrastructure to set up these evil plans, so we get it funded at the same time that we're sucking energy out of people. Win-win. So yeah, she... Mina ends up defeating the dark boys, or the dark guys, the dark girls, which are like their sisters or something like that. And then I think she does defeat the head of the dark agency, at at least this branch of the dark agency. Yeah, she hasn't defeated them yet, because that's later. Yeah, she defeats the head of this branch, the one that had been talking about their strategy, their pop idol strategy to take over the world. Which is best strategy to take over the world, in my opinion. Yeah. So then we get into some real episodic stuff. There's one where she gets sucked into a video game. It's pretty much exactly like what you expect. Yeah, there's some interesting stuff going on. So the otaku guy ends up buying the motherboard of the game because it's super popular and everyone wants to play it. So he wants to play it at home and he doesn't want to play it on his fam fam. Which is a Famicom. Yeah, it's a Famicom. But... So he buys the arcade motherboard so that he can play the arcade version at home. And because of that, they're able to defeat her because they've hacked into the Dark One's essence, essentially, because they have, like, illegally accessed her. So that's why they're able to not that's the only reason or that's not the only reason they're able to defeat her. But that helps out in the battle. Yeah. And then there's one where she wins a trip to Hawaii, but accidentally goes to Greece instead. Yeah, and there's also that whole bit about she's super mean to the police chief subordinate's brother. Like, she knocks him out of the way in order to get the winning ticket. So, like, he would have, his thinking was he would have gotten it. And then she convinces him because these two kids are apparently have to pay to get into the airport. So, they're trying to skip the security. And so, she convinces him to pay for their, like, entrance passes. And so he ends up wasting all his money. So he like she just keeps accidentally ruining his day over and over again during this trip to Greece because he followed he followed her because he thought oh she must be part of the same she's she's going to the same place I am, and then she ended up going to or she ended up getting roped into going to Greece, which I also thought it was funny that the 
Like, I thought it was weird that the stewardess was like, yeah, you you must be the people that are going here. Like, did they have boarding passes? Like, shouldn't have checked that a little bit. You're supposed to be going to Hawaii. You're Kevin, the... it was pre-9-11. But they they make mention of the fact that, like, the stewardess is super upset that she switched to the passengers and they figured it out very quickly. Yeah. So it's like, I'm even before 9-11, you still checked boarding passes. <laughs> you weren't just allowed onto planes. I'm pretty sure you were. I'm pretty sure that's how it worked. So the last chapter in here is about Minako falling in love with this street tough. Oh, sorry. Just to jump back one little thing in Greece, there's a hint of some stuff that'll come up later on in Sailor Moon where she's talking about, oh, I've, she's like staring at the Parthenon and starting to have like flashbacks in her memory. And they mentioned that she looks really good with all this classical architecture in the background. And also she's like bumped into Usagi at this point. Yeah. She bumped into Usagi during the video game chapter. So she's at least seen like they they haven't met personally, but she's at least aware. Yeah. Or we're we're aware that they have bumped into one another. They live the in the same town. Yeah. They live in the same town. So the last chapter is about Minako falling in love with this street tough. And he's drawn in this super shoujo romance uh, yes. style. And you're like, oh, yeah, no, this author definitely would get together with the author of Yu Yu Hakusho. That makes total sense. Yep. He keeps getting in fights, so he's going to get kicked out of school. Yep, but actually the Dark Agency has taken over the street punks because they're like, oh, we can absorb the life essence of all of these street punks who are running around with all this violent energy. And so we're getting the street punks to essentially press gang more people into joining their street gangs. So we can take all their energy? Yeah. And Minako finds out that the boy she's in love with is in love with her home ec teacher. Who was his homeroom teacher because they went to the same middle school so she ends up using her transformation pen to turn into the teacher to make out with him and be like hey don't fight anymore well she doesn't she doesn't transform to make out with him but (laughs) it it happens happens. it happens and so she's absent for like the very start of the battle because she's like ah that was amazing so speaking of the magic pen since we haven't mentioned yeah the transformation pen from sailor moon is actually from sailor v well and it's also a magic pen that cannot write a lie so she uses it to cheat on her homework and tests <laughs> because she's like yeah i just start writing i just start moving the pen and it writes all the answers down for me and uh, artemis keeps being like no you can't do that but she just keeps doing it over and over again i love it Minako is the best sailor scout it, the, what the anime did to her is a travesty she's I don't the remember. best oh she's the most boring on the anime because oh, i'm sure she's just usagi too yeah the, just, except for in her spotlight episodes where she gets to be Minako, but then she goes back to being nothing immediately yeah, the anime changed a lot of things because shifting it was adapting st- it very quickly. Uh, well, it was adapting it very quickly, but also shifting stuff over to, or try. I guess they they weren't specifically trying to hit a Western audience, but the dub changed a couple of things that that too throws stuff off. Well, cousins, everybody knows about cousins. Yes. So, yeah, is there anything else we want to say about Sailor V? I really like it. It's this weird artifact. If you're at all interested in Sailor Moon. Like you should read it. It's weird to compare it to We Never Learned, which we read last week, because it's got a lot of the same tone to it in a weird way. Yeah. And it's weirdly disposable in the same way, but it does have this kind of meta plot behind it. Yeah. To keep you going with it. It's also only like two or three volumes. We were actually talking about this. We think it's two volumes and then like a third volume might be like some collected short stories that happened during the print run of Sailor Moon that like all got collected together. Yeah, and, like, it's just fascinating to me that this exists and, like, that it ties into Sailor Moon. 
yeah, it's just that's a very weird publication thing of like I remember reading the first chapter that I can't remember the guy's name, the My Hero Academia's thing. Yeah, the first My Hero Academia. The yeah, the first chapter that he did which sort of tie it doesn't really tie in at all. Some of the character designs transferred over to my hero, but like none of their none of the storyline stuff did. Yeah, and like you can read some early drafts of One Piece that are similar. Yeah, so it's kind of weird that like this is its own. So as opposed to just being like a one-off chapter, which normally happens with those kind of things, this was like an entire series that then almost immediately got turned into Sailor Moon. So yeah, really interesting read. So yeah, I think that's about does it. I would highly recommend it if you have any interest in Sailor Moon because. Especially if you're interested in the early anime chapters, which take a lot from this. But we just about have to get out of here. But first, we have to put someone on our personality power level list. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? Personality power level is the segment where we put manga characters on a list from the best to the worst. At the top, we have Izuki Midoriya, speaking of My Hero Academia. Yep. At the bottom, we have Haruhi Fujioka from Oran High School Host Club. And in the middle, we have Goku. Everybody thinks Goku's okay. Goku. So number two right now is Usagi Tsukino. And I actually like Mina a lot more than I like Usagi. Same. But I don't know if she's actually better because Usagi develops, whereas Minako almost, like, her personality almost gets sanded off as it goes on. But if, yeah. but you said same, which makes me think maybe we should just put her above because I think she's we, a ton of fun. The big thing for me is that I don't remember a whole lot about Sailor Moon. Like, I definitely don't remember her personality as the series goes on. So I'm essentially looking at Volume 1 Usagi versus Volume 1 Mina. So I like Volume 1 Mina better. Okay, so our new number two then will be Minako Aino, going above Usagi Tsukino and below Izuki Midoriya. Yep. Which, like, she's my favorite Sailor Scout, so I'm not going to complain about that. But there are a lot of people who I think are going to roll their eyes if anyone looks at this list too closely. Yeah, but well, it's our list, so. If they look at the list, they can see that when we rated her, it was because I'm rating Volume 1 Usagi versus Volume 1 Mina, and I like Volume 1 Mina better. So that... All right. Uh, we agree she's not as good as Midoriya, though, right? Yeah. I, sh- that... I just assumed I didn't even have discussion about that it. W- but... That was not a contest. <laughs> I, like... Because my hero is still going on, and I'm finding new and new things I like about Midoriya, so. All right, so that does it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Let us know what you thought about our new format. I actually think I liked it a lot, having finished the episode now. www.lastpodcast.com is our website. That's where you can leave comments, you can see the personality power level list, and you can check out our Discord, which is the easiest way to talk to us. You'll also see my other two podcasts there, last time on Video Games and It's a Gundam. Uh, last time just had a very funny episode where we talked about The Adventures of Lolo, which is a boring game, but the episode's great, so you should check it out. If you like the podcast, please tell a friend or give us a rating or, or review on your podcatcher of choice. Five stars helps us out a lot. Our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our closing film is A Psychic Fist Fight by Tom W. Emerit. Other music is by Spectacular Sound Productions, and our album art was by Kate Wind on DeviantArt. Kevin, we didn't tell the people what we're reading next week, so let's do that now. Sure. What are we going to read next week, Kevin? Let's go with Fuka. Fuka? We're going to be reading Fuka, which is only available digitally. So Is it really? Yeah. I, I tried to find a physical a print copy version? and could yeah. not. It's on Crunchyroll. Yeah, it's on Crunchyroll. It's on, if you have a Comixology account, it's free to read there. Otherwise, you can't pay for it. I don't know anything about it. 
It's interesting. I saw the anime, and there's apparently a lot of differences between the anime and the manga, so I've kind of wanted to read it for a while. So I'm excited to see how this goes. All right, so we will see you then. He's using like his wizard powers or his wizard powers. He's using magic.